Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hi, this episode is called So You Want to Be a Teacherpreneur. During this episode, I will explain how I shifted from being in a school full time to doing entrepreneurship in the education um, sector full time. As most of you guys know, I've been an educator. Well, actually, this is my 16th year as an educator. Just because I am a entrepreneur now, it doesn't mean that I'm no longer an educator because I'm still working in the educational space. But um, I completed my 15th year as being an educator at the end of the 2020-2021 school year. And over those 15 years, I've done a lot of work in education in various spaces. I went to Purdue University, go Boilers, Boiler Up. And I graduated with a degree in English education. While I was at Purdue, I was able to leave with two teaching licenses, a five through 12, which is essentially a middle school and high school license, one English language arts. And then I had a second license, five through 12 in reading. My ultimate goal when I graduated from Purdue was to become a high school reading teacher working with high school students who were struggling, who were struggling with reading. That was my ultimate goal. Well, one of the things I didn't know while I was in college, because I wasn't even looking into that, my goal was to finish college, are what type of actual jobs there are in schools. So I landed in middle school, which is great because I strongly consider myself a middle school person, even though I've worked with students, whether I was their teacher or had a support role, which I'll get into in a moment, um, preschool through 12th grade. And I also have taught at the university level. Um, too. So you name it. Um, if you are a person, no matter what your age is, I love to share my knowledge. After that, so I was mostly a middle school English teacher during the first part of my year, a career about eight years or so. And then I switched. And one of those years I did high school creative writing. Then I was in a master's program. I actually went for secondary education. I wanted to obtain my master's degree while I was at Purdue, but several professors and even my advisor said, get into school, teach, make sure this is like what you want to do. So you're not as in school another two or three years picking up a degree and that's not what you wanted. And they also know the fact that many school districts at the time were starting to shift away from providing extra compensation for additional degrees. I actually thought that was good advice because it gave me the opportunity to go into the school setting and say, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. And this is the job I want. So I went for secondary education. But while I was there, I learned about at um, IUPY, I learned about that there was a program called language education with a focus on learning about English language learners. So I said, well, if I'm going to go pick up another degree and pay for it out of my pocket, because I um, strongly believe in as much as possible, if you can avoid accumulating debt, that you should do so. I should also pick up another license. So when I finished that program, I picked up my ENL license, which is a P through 12. At the time, my school was looking for a librarian. And for that license, all I had to do was take the test. And I assert that if you're an English teacher for a long time, you can ace that test. 
So I took that test. That role actually didn't work out. Could have went to another one of my colleagues, which is cool, but I picked up a library media P through 12 license. So at this point in time, I'm about halfway through, you know, my career thus far, um, looking back. And I've had four um, teaching licenses. Then I was offered a job as an elementary literacy coach. Well, actually, so let me go back. I get my ENL license. So English teacher for a while. Then I moved to an elementary ENL teacher. The next year I was offered a elementary literacy position, but I didn't have a reading license or elementary license to cover that position. So I learned going through the Department of Education that I could pick up a P through 12 reading license based on work experience, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Submitted everything they required. So now I have a five through 12 reading license and a P through 12 reading license. So after that, I was a literacy coach, elementary level, shifted to being a literacy coach at a high school level, as well as teaching high school English, which I love because I always wanted to teach at the high school level. So that kind of checked that box for me because I had three sections of English. Two of those sections were the students who had taken I-STEP several times and had not passed it. And for those of you that are listening and you are not um, from Indiana, at that time period, because now we're shifting to a different model and we're like phasing out the old model, you had to pass um, the English and math section of I-STEP to graduate. If, and you had to keep taking it up through senior year to obtain a waiver if you never passed. And there were some other requirements like attendance and things. So I was really proud because after the first um, go round, several students tested out of my class because they passed I-STEP. So I really got to feel that void of working at the high school level and helping students who get to high school and can't read because is it hard um, to be in high school and learn how to read properly? Is it hard if you're an adult and you have limited literacy? And I say limited literacy because some people like to say illiterate and I don't like that term because no matter who you are, you have literacy. Literacy is just not about uh, being able to read well or write well. There's all types of literacy. So I always say limited literacy. So I checked that box. But also during that time, I picked up my admin license, which P through 12 gave me five licenses. And I had an admin role. Where, and that was my last role for the last two school years of the middle school academic dean. In that particular school, which everyone says crazy, what I'm about to say, the principal supervised no teachers. Every time I say that to someone, they're like, how does a principal not supervise teachers? Most schools, the principal supervises a group of teachers and then maybe AP and other people supervise teachers. But I was able to hire terminate unfortunately was necessary i guess i won't say unfortunately because um as many people in my life have told me you're not firing people people fire themselves because they didn't do what they were supposed to do and then i and so during and so yeah i supervised teachers i hired teachers i coached them i completed their evaluation did it for the last two school years while I was in this role, and so granted, I start this role, you know, at the end of the 29th, I was well, the beginning of the 2019, 2020 school year. At the end of that year, we all know big old coronavirus pandemic happened. And that just made things um, incredibly harder um, to have your first admin role. And like, this is your life, contact tracing, social distancing, sanitation, tracking, um, reminding people about FERPA and HIPAA, not violating those laws. And side note, I keep hearing people share information through texts and emails about who has COVID-19. Don't do that. Violating FERPA. The only people that are supposed to know about that are people that have um, 
that student as student's record. So if you're sharing information about students, about their personal health, um, you're violating FERPA, you're violating HIPAA, and just don't do it. So anyway, during the, those 15 years, I had, oh, and I guess I should add in, I started teaching at the university level 2013, and I actually haven't ever stopped. So from 2013 to now, I've taught college courses, whether that's at IUPUI or um, at Marion University in Annapolis. And currently, I'm in uh, a doctoral program, which is actually, so IUPUI got a doctoral program for the language education. Uh, well, well, IU, come at IU Bloomington uh, for language education, which is actually now called, uh, and that master's is not even called language education anymore. It's now called literacy, culture, and language. And I'm in the EDD program, the literacy, culture, and language. And I've been on track. So according to the plan I have and my conversation with my advisors, I'm like over halfway through the program. Tentative, you know, I'm hoping to defend my dissertation, you know, if I stay on track. Uh, 2024. So we shall see. But during that time, I had a lot of people ask me to do work on the side, right? In schools. But what became hard for me is I have this full-time job with full-time responsibilities, which meant anytime a school reached out to me for help, I was typically um, being a thought partner. So many times I talked people through issues they were having in their school or, or I provided resources for them. But at some point you get schools are saying, hey, can you come present during the day or can you come in? And so sometimes I would use my personal days and go do that. Good thing about it. You know, I made connections. I continued to make connections. But last school year when my father passed away in January, that really kind of motivated me because before that. So in December, one of the last conversations I had with my dad was about this idea of like going out to do it. And I said, and you know, you're having a conversation because what do parents tell you? Go to college, get a good job, um, get good benefits, right? And I had all of those things. Now, granted, I, I'm, I, you know, I had all those things, right? And I'm like, do I give this all up to go in business for myself? And so I'm having this conversation with my dad, essentially going over all the things that he told me. And so my dad said back to me, you're not out here trying to make up an idea, trying to start a business and then try to figure out how to get clientele. He says, your issue is you have clientele, but because you have a full time job, you cannot offer yourself full time. So he said, it's really up to you. Do you have the confidence in yourself to go out here and go do it? And anybody that does entrepreneurship, that's that's that. That's that hurdle you have to get over. Do I go all in? Do I trust that I can make the money to sustain myself? Do I trust that I can figure out how to get health care if I'm not getting it through, you know, my job? Right. So those are all the things that I had to consider. So I pretty much knew in January that I was not going back to my job, although my job um, spent time harassing me about not answering that question. Um, and just a note to people, when people fill out those forms and they say where they say is in education, whether they return or not, you know, you need to leave folks alone. And granted, I put down the form that I was planning to return because at the time, even though my brain, I'm like, I'm going to do this. I still wasn't 100 percent certain. And, you know, I had to make sure I had everything squared away. And so I essentially told my job when I know something, you will know something. And, um, you know. That just wasn't a good answer for them. So how did I do it? 
So first of all, most of you guys know I have a publishing company named Brave Brother Books, and that started in 2019. It actually had a different name back then, but we had to change it, um, which it is what it is to be able to trademark it. And so I'm currently in the process of finishing um, like the federal trademark um, work for that. So because I had went through all this before, I had an idea of how you start a business. So the first step to going out to be an entrepreneur is doing it right. You need to legally register yourself as a business, right? Um, I'm not going to give advice about what type of business you should use. You'll have to determine it on yourself. But both of my businesses are LLCs. Um, it gives you limited liability um, if you find yourself in a situation where that matters. And Indiana, I will say this, uh, and granted, my husband works for the state of Indiana, so I'm not just saying that this is great because he is employed by the state. However, INBiz is the resource I went through to register, and I feel like their system is pretty good. It's pretty easy uh, to manage. So essentially, you go to INBiz, you say who's what your company name is, who's in your company, pay the fee, and I can't remember the fee is off the top of my head, but... $50, $75, maybe $95, and it wasn't over $100. Pay the fee, you get registered. And then in Indiana, every other year, so for me and my brain, every time it was the odd year since I started in 2019, that's when I had to go and fill out another form just to kind of say that, you know, I'm still in existence, right? The other thing I did, when you, you have to list the address for your business, right? If you put your home address down as the address of your business, then that address is public. I did not want my home address being public. So I also, before I did that paperwork, I signed up to get a business mailbox. And you can do that by getting a P.O. box at the post office or getting a box at UPS. So that's the address I use. So if someone looks me up and puts in Shantae Barnes, and wants to see what she's doing in the business world, they will get that address and my private address, I guess for the most part stays private um, because I'm married to someone in IT. Um, he always says that nothing's really private or hidden. Um, and I'm not gonna get into that because just having those conversations with him and just like, let me have ignorance and bliss. Don't tell me all these things. But so I did that. The next thing you need to do is talk to somebody, a professional about taxes. I learned this the hard way. So I had already had other contracts with writing, right? And typically my husband and I, when we did our taxes, we either got a refund or we broke even. But when I started doing contract work for my writing, we had to pay taxes in one year. And I was like, hold up, I'm not trying to pay. You already, know, you already know, took all this money out of my full-time job. Now you want extra coins for me? No, no, no. So after that, I and then we got a penalty because I didn't pay uh, taxes in advance. So you want to talk to a tax advisor, especially if you're starting out in entrepreneurship and you still have your full time job. You need to talk to a tax advisor to figure out, do you want to have more taken out of your full time or your uh, part time job where taxes are already taken out of? Or um, if you're going completely uh, full time being self employed, you need to figure out what your estimated tax uh, payments are and you have to do estimated tax payments for the federal level, for the state level, and the county level, right? So you have to figure that all out, and then you have to pay it quarterly. 
you can either mail it in to the IRS or go onto the portal. I prefer using the portal because it's easy. And then I put reminders on my phone because the IRS, I feel like they they are they're like that teacher that crosses every T and dots every I. They're trying to make sure you're doing everything and doing it on time. You don't want to get a penalty for, yeah, you paid the right amount, but you didn't pay it when you were supposed to, right? So you want to make sure you do that. So we sat down and for most of my marriage, you know, my husband was doing our taxes. But once, you know, I got that penalty and I started doing this other contract work, he was like, look, this is above my uh, level of expertise. Let's get a professional. So we have somebody that did our taxes for this year um, who specializes in small business. And that person helped me look at what I thought I would make um, being an entrepreneur and then figure out how much my how much I would owe in taxes for the federal state and county level and then divide that by four to figure out what my estimated tax payments will be one of the things i did um I, the bank i use you're able to go in and label your accounts with like names so i label all my accounts right and so i have one account that i label taxes so essentially what that account does whatever money i make I move the money for tax payments into that account and that's the account I pay my taxes out of. So I have one place where I'm keeping track of that. I need that for my mind. Some people don't need that, but I like to have everything labeled, everything separated. Um, for example, I've been saving money for my kids since before they were born. So they have accounts with their names on it in the system and I automatically set up money to go in that account when it's supposed to. So that helps you stay out of trouble with Uncle Sam and the IRS because you don't want to underpay for your taxes and you don't want to pay them late because then you'll get a penalty and you still have to pay, right? So you want to make sure you take care of that. The next thing I've been working on in this role, um, being an entrepreneur, is, you know, trying to, uh, oh, I know what I'm going to tell you guys. I, I'm getting myself trademarked right? The first time I did trademark paperwork, um, because also there's tr two trademarks, right? You can do a service mark, which is through your state, right? Um, if you're in Indiana, it's the same system. I envision go and file it, whether you're doing, if you have a catchphrase. Um, so for example, our, my publishing company, Brave Brother Books, it's diverse books for all readers, because the our vision is that we are trying to make sure everyone can see themselves in books. And even if that's not you that you're seeing, you're learning about other people. That's why it's diverse books for all readers and diversity also in the content that we are putting out there. We want to essentially cover everything right <laughs> as much as possible. So I went and I had all that, you know, uh, got the service mark for that which is great, but that's just at the local level. So what's the best thing to do is uh, go through the United States, you know, federal trademark office. Did that the first time, didn't do something right. Then I had to redo it and it just became this whole situation. So eventually I um, reached out to uh, Lori I knew and said, hey, like this is above my knowledge. This is like wasting my time. Now I'm paying fees because I didn't do this right. And so I actually uh, hired a trademark lawyer who is um, doing my trademark for my um, entrepreneur work. So my company is called Blazing Brilliance. And so he's trademarking that. And then um, we're also trademarking um, Brave Brother books. And so everything's going along according to plan. And, it, and what I like about my particular lawyer, 
lawyers typically, um, lawyers charge you two ways, right? They charge you either by the hour or a flat fee. What I like about my lawyer is he did a flat fee. So I knew based on what I was doing, I'm just paying this one payment for the work. And there are a lot of lawyers that are offering those types of services. So um, if you are not an expert in doing trademark, but I do suggest you get trademark because if you're using a name or a catchphrase, you don't want to start creating all this content. And then someone out of the blue comes out and says um, that you can't use it. And I'll give you an example. So there is a group called Lady Antebellum. Now, after, you know, you know, I got woke summer happened, you know, after the um, unfortunate um, death of George Floyd, you know, people were, were trying to shift what they were doing. So uh, the group Lady Antebellum didn't really want to use that word anymore. So she wanted to shrink her name down to Lady A. But there was a singer who was already using that name, Lady A. But the um, Lady um the group Lady Antebellum had filed the trademark and she had not. And so you can find yourself in a situation that if you're using a name or a phrase and someone eventually uses it or they're already using it, you'll know that. And then the other thing that's important about that is once you start doing the trademark paperwork, there's a, a search that your lawyer does to see if anyone has that name. And then from the jump, you can say, because we there were several names I tried to use before Blazing Brilliance. But when I gave the lawyer listed names. He was like, yep, don't use this one, this one, this one, or this one. We wanted to pick one that was going to be clean. Essentially, it's not in the system. No one has trademarked it because anybody can come back and, and block your application. And then it's like this whole situation of things you have to go through, which if you're using a lawyer, every time they do a search for you, whether it's a flat fee or allergy fee, you're paying them. And look, I'm trying to start a business. I got, I'm trying to generate income. I don't have income to be thrown around. So... <laughs> Do that first. So then you won't have to go back and change all of these things for your company. Then after that, you should get yourself mentors, right? Find people who are already doing what you want to do in the education sector. If your focus is education like I am and who are doing it well. And this is what I mean by doing it well. I am on Instagram. Um, I actually my uh, I actually got on Instagram originally as a bet I lost to students. They when I was teaching um, doing uh, teaching high school English and being a high school literacy coach, they had Googled me um, while there was a post to be on Schoology doing work, and I was circulating around the room. But you know how kids are, and they have found me and they found my gardening website, Gardener Shakol. Shakol is my middle name. Um, and they said, well, Mrs. Barnes, you should have an Instagram because all these pictures you take, that's what Instagram is for. So I bet them that as everyone got their project done on time and earned a B, that the last five minutes of class, I would let them put me on Instagram. And I, and I this is going to sound so bad. I have one student here. I'm like, you are not going to get this project done. You've turned everything like this whole entire school year. Do you know what the children gathered around this individual and said, you will get this work done on time? And actually, uh, it ended up being a great thing because after that, this, the class continued to motivate this student. So it actually worked out for everybody. I got on Instagram. But what was happening was in the education world, people kept tagging my gardening account. So I made an Educator Barnes Instagram account, which is actually locked because it's I don't really care too much about it. That sounds bad. Uh, but because I'm on Instagram, um, teacher IG just makes me laugh because you have people on there that got all these followers. And then every time you look at them, they're endorsing lipstick, 
They're endorsing bags. They're telling you to buy a T-shirt. And I'm like, what, what, what are you actually doing for education that's actual service? So I will say if you're looking for someone that's doing what you're doing, Instagram is actually not the, the best place to start. You, a lot of the, the couple of people that are my mentors are people that I actually have attended work that they have done and benefited from. And I've seen them in action. No, seen in action in person or, you know, with the last few years on Zoom because of the nature of the pandemic, not seeing their curated content on Instagram. There's a total difference. So I have two mentors that I reached out to. The other thing is some people, as they grow in their entrepreneurship, they charge people for um, showing them how to do it. So be prepared to maybe have to pay uh, somebody for those services. But it's really a benefit because they can give you advice about roadblocks that could come and things you need to think about. So one of the one things my one mentor mentioned were taxes. And I say, yeah, I found that out the hard way already, but thanks for letting me know. And it also gives you a thought partner. Well, one of the um, tips that one of my mentors said, well, what are you good at? What are you actually like trying to do? Because he says how entrepreneurs fail. They're trying to be a jack of all trades. They're trying to do everything. You need to narrow down. What is it that you are selling? What is your product? So I came up with essentially three things. Uh, one is helping schools with diversity, equity, inclusion, access and opportunity work, because that is the work, regardless of whether I was a librarian, an English teacher, an administrator, I'm working with English language learners. The foundation of my work has been that throughout my work, because it's not this bucket on the side. It's what I do is how I live. Right. The second thread through all of my work is literacy. I am a strong proponent of literacy, and I believe that children can really learn how to read and write well in the K through two grades if a good focus is there. And I also believe if for some reason students didn't learn those skills, they can learn in the upper elementary grades, middle school, and hopefully not in high school. But sometimes that is the reality. Right. And then my last uh, thing I well, I added two more things. The, the next thing I added was helping um, schools or educators. Um, widen their digital um, footprint through the written word. One of the areas that I'm really good at is writing. And it took me a long time to come out here and say, I can write and I can write well, right? Because there's always that self-doubt. But I'm like, look, people are paying you to write. People are retweeting and messaging you and writing you um, lots of information and I, and I am getting to the point where sometimes I'm getting more messages than I can respond to. Uh, so now I feel like I was watching Society Note and my students will tell you I go on tangents sometimes, but this, this is funny. So I was watching Phineas and Ferb, right? And with my boys and that show is in reruns. There's no new episodes. Well, there was an episode where they had like the creators on there and they had like this pile of mail behind them. Then they said that that was all fake because everybody emailed. So and they said, you know, we read all your messages, but we just can't respond to everybody. And I'm like, that's how I feel like I can't keep up. And I actually carve out time in my day where I try to go through and respond to all the comments I get on Facebook, the messages, the private messages I get on Twitter, LinkedIn, um, even on my YouTube channel. But it is starting to become more time than I can devote. So um, I'm, I appreciate it when there's something where I can go and like. So at least the person knows, like, look, I looked at what you're saying, but I really do try to read. And then I'm, it's important to me 
to give thoughtful responses. So I really try to give thoughtful responses to people. So when I like a post, sometimes I'm like, man, I really want to say something, but I just don't have the time, right? So my other thing is helping people show off themselves or a school promote themselves by learning how to tell their story through the written word. Because many times websites are great, but the websites don't tell your story. They don't tell what your school is all about. And I help with that. And the last thing I do is mentoring and coaching. And the mentoring I've been doing for the most part has been teachers. Most of them are black teachers because there's a lot of situations that sometimes black teachers find themselves in and they don't know how to work through. For example, I'm the science teacher, but I keep being asked to like do the work of the dean of students and do, deal with discipline. How do I navigate those conversations with my administrator? Because I really want to focus on academics. How can I now get the conversation of like you need to support other teachers to increase their classroom management skills instead of having me to be the default? So I talked to them through that over the last couple of years. I've been talking people through transitioning to different schools or even different roles because the pandemic, the pandemic has been hard, but there has been like a silver lining. One of the silver linings has been that some people have found out that their schools are not good places, um, unfortunately. And there are some schools that have risen to the occasion and people are like, man, this pandemic sucks. I am struggling, but this admin got my back. They got the kids' back and they got grace. They got understanding. They also have high expectations. But they have all that. And then some people are like, look, this pandemic with the struggle brought the camel's back. I need to get up on out of here. How do I do it? So I've helped people rewrite their resumes, rewrite their cover letters. I have coached people through interviews. Um, the good thing about me working in different districts, I have an idea of what the interview process looks like. And then being an admin, being on the other side of the table where I'm hiring people. And even as a literacy coach, I sat in on interviews. And there are just some things that people say in interviews that you can, you're a red flag. You got to eliminate it before you finish the interview. And people don't understand it. And what really bothers me many times, I can see the potential in a person, especially when they're a black educator or, um, well, in particular, it's been black educators and Latino educators are the ones that I've seen on the other side of the table who, based on their resume, I'm like, I think this person has the potential, but their interview wasn't great. And there were red flags, things that they said that they could have said better. On the flip side, I've seen uh, some white educators who've had um, not the best resume, in my personal opinion, but they interviewed well and they got the job. And, you know, there's it has to be well rounded. And the reality is most of the time, actually, anytime I sat on an interview, whether I was the uh, inter interview chair or on the panel, most of the time I was the only black person there. And granted, I don't hire anybody because they are black. I have to believe that you will be good for kids. And any interview, you're still taking a risk. Right. And we got to do reference checks and all those things. But. I feel that I bring a lens where I can see how we could support this person to do well and be great. And so I help people with that. I also have done coaching and thought partners with principals, um, with other coaches and with people who are um, working with English language learners. So those are my services, right? And it's important to know what your services are to be able to easily articulate what they are and stick to it because you don't want to be a jack of all trades and you do something poorly because if you do something poorly, word of mouth gets around. So I'll give you an example. 
earlier this summer, I was asked, uh, could I do some work with special education? Now, as an administrator, I have to know as a teacher, just to scratch it, as an educator, you got to understand special education. However, there is more than special education than understanding IEPs, being compliant and implementing what's in the IEP and participating in case conferences, right? I did not feel comfortable doing any work around that because that is not my area of expertise and I don't have a huge depth of knowledge on that topic. So I wrote back and said, hey, thanks for reaching out to me um, and considering me for the opportunity. This is not a good fit for me. This is not my area of expertise. The other thing I did is said is recommended other people that they could look out to. Um, Justine Gonzalez, who has the, um, she's an entrepreneur. Her company is Educator Aid, and she tagged me in a post on LinkedIn this week. And something that was very interesting that Justine said is that she had a partner who's no longer her partner anymore because that person didn't understand why she was promoting other people um, who are in the entrepreneur space. And essentially, she was saying there's enough bread, there's enough money, there's enough opportunity out here for all of us. And the last thing I would say, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to connect with other people and, you know, promote them, promote yourself. I because the flip side is some people are online. I, I hear stuff like, oh, I got nine hundred and ninety Twitter followers. Help me get to a thousand. No. <laughs> If you have content, share your content, share other people. If you have the opportunity to work with other people, um, for example, I've been asked, um, would I be willing to do subcontract work for other entrepreneurs? Because I have area, um, area of expertise and something they don't. And instead of them trying to do it themselves, and that's not their area of expertise, they would love to do subcontract. And when you are promoting other people uh, who are doing great work, not just people who have cute stuff on Instagram, it helps you widen your network and it helps you also get other opportunities or it could be the flip side. You're doing something and you're offered a contract where you can do part of the work, but the other part of the work, you don't have that area of expertise. The other thing you just have to, you just have to do it, right? You have to have faith in yourself and be willing to fail. And that's really scary. It's like standing on the edge of a cliff and hoping you don't fall off of it, right? But at the edge of the cliff, you see the sky and that openness and it's beautiful. Right. And that's where entrepreneurship lives. It lives at the edge of that cliff. And you have to be firm and strong and secure in the fact that you have knowledge and something. You have something to offer and you can do it. If you're going to use social media like I do it, this, these are my tips. My social media consists of education stuff, um, like social justice stuff. Um, I'm a Christian, so I tweet Bible verses sometimes and um, my writing and I do stuff about my kids. Now, there are some people that say, you know, business wise, keep that separate. Uh, if you want to have business accounts, that's cool. I'm at the point of uh, I can't manage any more social media. So everything is mostly under educated bars unless it's my um, gardening, which is under gardener's school. I had a, a mentor who I had to cut off because um, this particular person was doing some sketchy stuff like well straight up they were lying on the internet um to get like followers and stuff like literally lying about what they were doing and i said i don't roll like that i don't roll with liars <laughs> so <laughs> we gotta cut it and that person was like well you need to just use one account across everything i was like no gardener Shakol. Uh, a lot of my family called me Shakol, 
And I created that for my family. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because that's working for me. Um, <laughs> so you have to decide. But part of the reason I do share a little bit about my family life, it just makes me more human, for lack of a better word. It helps me connect more um, because I have someone that wrote to me about they have been reaching out to an education publication and they weren't hearing back. And could I help them break into like the writing sector? And when I looked at what the person had done, it, it seemed like the, all they had done was like published a book. And I wasn't for sure if they had self-published or used a company. And I don't I'm not going to get into that. That's another podcast for another time. But I'm like, if you want to be a writer, I mean, come closer. You just got to write like that's what you do. And some people, they're looking to find a quick way to break into entrepreneurship, right? There's a, oh, I'll buy this course and I'll watch it and bam, I'll just make the money. If you see anybody selling a course of, I'll help you make a million dollars in a year or six figures in a year, steer clear. Because the first thing I'll tell you, any information you need to know to be an entrepreneur, you can find it online for free. Now, granted, it is time consuming. So what I've done, I have a running document in my uh, Google Drive and it has all the tasks I completed. And then I have notes to myself of things I need to do. First of all, that helps me stay on top of things and it helps me stay organized. The other thing I'll mention going back to taxes, I also, my tax advisor told me about all the things I could write off for taxes that I didn't even know about. So I also have a tracker, so I have a spreadsheet and I have a tab that says all the things I'm using for the purposes of business that I can put on um, to write off for taxes. Um, so, if you want to be a teacherpreneur or entrepreneur, please, please, please figure out what you're good at. Start doing it and putting yourself out there because the reason why people reached out to me is because I was producing content or they saw me present at conferences because I did that um, quite a bit. And they heard me speak or saw my presentation, use things that I had suggested that helped them or they read because many of my articles sometimes there are listicles. Um, listicles are article when you list, you have a topping and you list things. So I would list like how to do whatever else. I think I did one like how to front load vocabulary or something or other. So I did list the things, um, that was, uh, tips, and people were like, yeah, I really would like to work with you. And from that, I had schools reaching out to me. And also, the last thing I'll say, I know, did I say this is the last thing the last time? I know. It's kind of like, you know, uh, when you're at church and the preacher's like, all right, I'm going to wrap this up in five more minutes, right? <laughs> I'm like, you said that said five minutes, five minutes ago. I know, but but, <laughs> but for real, I am running uh, towards a close. Um, what's really important is to not only have confidence in yourself, but to surround yourself with other people who are in this work, because sometimes families don't understand. You're going to leave a good paying job to work for yourself. Mm. You, you know, these business be closing up left to right. You really going to do this? And granted, on one hand, you do need like a realistic check on the side to say, hey, you need to think about these things. But you also need people who are out here doing this. So you have a circle around you that is helping you you know, stay focused and keep you uh, motivated out here in this space. And so I truly believe anybody can be an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people, when they do entrepreneurship, they definitely start off as a side hustle. 
But I assert that your side hustle can become your main hustle if you are making a connection with people and it is clear what you do. I also have a website and I actually pay the little fee each year. So I don't have ads and stuff right over my website. I want to be crisp and clean where I have a portfolio of all the things I've written. And I know I'm like a month behind on getting stuff up. But look, I got stuff on there since 2017. And I have over 100 articles per year on my site. So I got a lot of content. And I also have been asked, could I categorize my stuff? Working on that. Um, and I also take feedback and do surveys. So I love to do surveys to get feedback because people will say, oh, I need more of this or less of that. Or that didn't really hit well. So those are all the things. So this is actually a first part. I've connected with some other entrepreneurs that will be on a um, upcoming episode of Brazen Education where they can tell you about their entrepreneur work. A, I want to promote other entrepreneurs, right? B, I want you to hear what other people, um, their thought process and how they got into it. And C, I want you to be motivated and encouraged if this is something that you really want to do. So thanks for listening for Brazen, uh, Brazen Education today. And I will talk to you soon.